receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. about games is what I'm just going to go on ahead of time and saying as we so that you don't have to use my my bad improvised singing and um <clears throat> so, so do, you hey, have, do you have good improvised singing oh I do many times but I, it usually helps to have music behind me and also not to violate any ASCAP things you know we can't afford to pay for uh actual actual songs you know the rest of the song uh well you made me you know you left me alone for about 30 seconds so i think that was too long i think we have 10 seconds before they say wait a minute that's you know without direct permission from the composer uh it's it's not so uh who i believe was cole sprouse not sure it was mitchell sprouse but anyway uh no it's not it's not at all anyway uh hey this is derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and we are coming to you post thanksgiving Actually, post post Thanksgiving, right? The last day before December. So, when, by the way, did you start listening to Christmas music? I still haven't. All right. Do you want to play the little drummer boy challenge? Um, <laughs> which no, is I, you you lose as soon as you hear it. We and I have, have not a, we have heard a it. birthday in this household on December first, so we typically don't. It was worse when my when my I, when I lived with my parents, and my brother. My brother's birthday was on the 17th, so we really put everything off until the 17th. Oh, so you just traditionally cannot listen to Christmas music until December 2nd. That right. is reasonable. Right. That is completely reasonable because of it being a birthday. Yeah. Is that Shang-Chi's birthday? No, it's Debbie's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Facebook hasn't told me yet. All right, oh. so, uh, of course, also here, we kind of, we even though we are in the same county tonight, due to my own shifting work schedule needed to do this remotely. So uh, at the Brett Cave, while I am in a satellite cave, almost like, a, I guess I'm in the JLA watchtower. Um, I'll come up with a clever <laughs> You're in the bleed. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much makes sense. That's fine. Yes, I'm in the bleed. Um, that's funny on a lot of levels. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm from the bleed, but over, over at the Brett Cave is, of course, our podcast producer. Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. Yes. So uh, it's November 30th, uh, the day before uh, Debbie Brett Schneider's birthday. Yes. And <laughs> so I, I just want Good of you to remember before, that. Yeah, now. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> you know, if you edit it right, she'll never know. Uh, that, uh, But you won't. She'll hear it. Anyway, so okay, I do want to say that uh, anything that we talk about on tonight's podcast, especially in the way of books, uh, that you are interested in owning for your very self and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store. I hope that people actually went out last Saturday was local comic shop day, I think. Uh, and, and certainly it was small business Saturday small and business most of your, Saturday, yeah. and most of your comic shops are, I think actually the Saturday before was local comic shop. And, uh, so, which I, I love that they have those events and I hope it goes, but anyway, if you can't find them at your local comic shop, by all means, you can use the Amazon search box on fanboy planet. It's on each and every page. And we often have links 
directly to items that we talk about on the podcast uh, as well. And so uh, you can use that. We get a small a small kickback if you go through Fanboy Planet, as well as Think Geek. If you go through the link there, we get a small remuneration from that as well. Uh, so there you go. And if you'd like to help defray the cost of a podcast and a blog, a zine, whatever we want to call the the website, uh, please, you know, you may of course donate to uh, PayPal to editor at fanboyplanet.com as well as any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You, for, you forgot the biggest advice of all that they should go back uh, to the website and look at the gift guide that we put together, which makes use of you know, both I, of those I, establishments. I, it's, it's very funny that you say that because, you know, I, I do track like each day. Hey, what do we get? And, and, uh, I think people are, which is the right thing, you know, if they're going to their local game shop and pick oh my gosh, it's like, you know, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland owe us money for how much Rick and Morty stuff we've pimped. Yeah. But uh, but I don't know that they bought it through Amazon. But, yes, you can go through the gift guide is there, uh, as well as the podcast where we talked about a lot of the gifts and why we thought they were great. Uh, and that was, that was pre-Thanksgiving. But, uh, of course, you can also contact us through Facebook, or you can write in, in through Discus comments on, on beneath each and every podcast as well. Uh, so, you know, get the conversation going. We enjoy it. Some select few people that know me uh, have also texted me comments, and uh, there will be one that will directly come up on an item that we're going to talk about a little later tonight. Cool. So, uh, yes, the one thing you cannot do through con- through Fanboy Planet is buy Comic-Con tickets. And I think that's the first of two top stories tonight, which is a really big reminder to everyone. And thank you, Rick. I, I had seen it but forgot to point it out because... I got mine. Uh, is the Comic Con announced that their 2018 registration opens at 9 a.m. Pacific time yep. on Saturday, December 9th, 2017? And the registration info, let me go this through, www.comic-con.org slash CCI slash 2018 slash open dash registration is where you go. And um, I, I assume they'll, they're going to do that waiting room again and the and ticket number so you get assigned a slot, that sort of thing. I want to – I do this on my own Facebook page, but I'll, I'll say uh, I actually kind of get this feeling that, uh, you know, it, it's it's been a painful process for the past few years. And I've certainly had, I think, maybe at least the last two years, reached this moment in about April where I go, oh, I'm just not going to Comic-Con. But uh, I got my press badge uh, already, uh, like three weeks ago. So they actually sent out invitations. I think this is the earliest they have ever sent out an email to say, you can go. Well, I, I declined again this year because I've got Worldcon coming up next year. And it's well, sure. And it, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and, and it's madness. I understand, yeah. you know, that it's... Uh, so I, I'm just, I'm just touting. You know, everybody complains when they feel that they've oh, done no. something, yeah, I got something the, wrong. I got and and I want too. to say to to the people at Comic Con this year, the organization, and and not just for press, both the pros that I know have also been really impressed. It's been early, it's been well run, and I think you know even December for ticket sales uh, for for Comic Con, this is really good. So. Right. Great, you know, great. I, I, I wanted, you know, this is the primo, well, maybe they're feeling the heat, 
uh, <laughs> you know, from there's New York uh, breathing down their necks, and uh, actually they breathe down their neck, but but it's a highly competitive show, I guess. You know, that's usually in October. Uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con, Salt Lake Comic Con is becoming really big, and of course we have our own Silicon Valley Comic Con in late March as well. Uh, so that, that's exciting that Stan Lee is going to show up, uh, and Jim Shooter, and, and who else did I did I see on that list? Uh, Simon Bisley and Glenn Fabry, and some celebrities that other people know. But you know, I want to focus on the comics artists because it did start as Big Wow Comic Fest, and I still want to uh, you know, celebrate. You know the what? Comics involved. What Silicon Valley Comic Con is doing that is better than what San Diego Comic Con does. And first, you're not going to agree with me, but if you think about it, you're going to agree with me. And that is that they. Clear- I was going to say, host Fanboy Planet, the podcast. That is true too. That is true too. But Comic Con's uh, never done that. They they uh, they clear the rooms after each panel, and so you can't go in there. And in big halls too, so you can't go in there and camp all day. And it flushes people through the rooms, and more people get into the panel. You know, that is interesting because in years past. I, I have a vague recollection. I could be wrong. I mean, seriously. But in the years before Comic-Con got insane, um, you know, as I say, the year before Good Housekeeping started sending people yeah. to cover it. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I, I, oh, I, know, I knew I a guy from Good Housekeeping. Um, I think they did used to. That was before Hall H existed. Yeah, it was Ballroom Twenty was the big one, and actually, you know, I take that back because I don't think they needed to flush it out, and that's and, and that's the difference too. I agree with you. Now it needs to be done. It, 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 well, let's face it, you know, they are just all these things are super pop culture experiences, and I think at some point, you know, um, the Stan Lee L.A. Comic Con, which used to be called Kamikaze, but I think they right. are just calling it L.A. Comic Con now. Oh. Uh, they did something very interesting, which is that one end of the hall, of exhibit hall, was the stage. Drew Carey did a portable Wheel of Fortune and interview. Stan Lee and Dwayne Johnson did his entire panel on so, so the stage. The audio was open to the whole hall. You could just look down yeah. and see it. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it echoed, so you really had to be close to understand to... what they were saying. But you could hear this. <laughs> 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 Yeah, oh, the so rock. The, the, yeah, that was. Thank you. <laughs> that was my impersonation of, of the of the the panels, you know. Um, and if you could get past the line for the exclusive Bob Miles, so uh, you know, so that that's that. Uh, Saturday, December ninth. The the other top story I think this week that's just kind of fascinating is that uh, Axel Alonso has left Marvel as editor in chief. We don't know um, the details. From some of the rest of the story, it seems that maybe Axel Alonso didn't leave 100% willingly, mm. which is too bad. But uh, the person named as editor-in-chief uh, in his stead is now C.B. Sabolsky, who uh, people who are into comics will know for a long it's a time. name I recognize, yeah. As a talent coordinator for Marvel for a long time uh, and has really in the last few years been very infl- instrumental in – I think paving the way for Marvel in Asia. Uh, he had moved to Japan and has has been living there. And I, I, I believe he blogs about Asian cuisine from Japan uh, and now is moving back to the States. As part of this, you know, that's really cool. I, 
I, I'm having this thing where I, I think I met him once. I, but again, it may just have been in years past that I saw him and went, ah, that guy's cool. I should talk to him. Uh, you know, when he was new talent coordinator, just cause of the, I got nothing to show him. Uh, but I know that I have certainly followed him on, on Twitter and, and said on the Twitter, let me sound old. Um, and, but the controversy this week is it in all this, it is revealed. He admitted that sometime in the early 21st century, uh, he actually, while he was working for Marvel as an editor, and I think it was before he was really new talent coordinator. Now, maybe it was in the beginning of his time as new, new talent coordinator. He uh, moonlighted as a writer named Akira Yoshida. And he used that pseudonym for about a year to write comics for Marvel. At least that's how it started. And because Marvel had in place a policy that editors could not write because it was seen as kind of a corrupt practice that you were taking away writing jobs from people that were trying to break into the business as writers. Now, there have been, the defense is, there have been several uh, editors at Marvel over the NDC, too, who were great writers. One who comes to mind immediately is Larry Hama, who, of course, really shaped G.I. Joe, a real American hero, to the point I mean, he was writing the bios on the back of the action figures as well as writing the comics. Um, but, of course, you know, the, the criticism, and I think justifiable, is Akira Yoshida was brought in with the idea that uh, that, that, that writer was hired because they were bringing a different point of view. And I'm thinking back to the, the some of the comics that he wrote. It was like an X-Men versus Avengers. There was sort of a manga influence. And while it was under Marvel, no one, apparently, no one at Marvel knew that that was him. Uh, he wrote a Conan miniseries for Dark Horse under that name. And then after about a year, he stopped. But so there's kind of a big big to-do going on for those who pay attention to big to-dos about whether or not this was ethical. Uh, Larry Hama himself has weighed in and said he, he was not bothered by it, but it is, it is just interesting in a time where we are doing a lot of, I think as a culture, soul searching about what is right and what is wrong and what is ethical. And certainly writers have used pseudonyms for, for a long time. Um, but in, in this case, uh, it, you know, it's the, it's the difference between a writer uh, basically posing as a different viewpoint, I guess is, would be the fairest way to say it, as opposed to, say, uh, I saw someone say, well, should we not like George Eliot or George Sand? Uh, right. And, right. And say, well, the difference is they couldn't write at all. Uh, you know, if they wouldn't have published their not the novels would have been published if it was known that they were women. Yeah. And they were back as well. Akira Yoshida's work wouldn't have been published if he was known as uh, as C.B. Sobolski. But I would differ that possibly, at least for for Dark Horse, he could have written as C.B. Sobolski. And eventually he did write comics as C.B. Sobolski. So it's just kind of, this is this week's interesting controversy and I don't want to dwell because we we missed, it and I think it's just going to be un, it's going to be more unfolding over the weeks ahead. Apparently, as I said, no one at Marvel knew before he took the job when he was called up and told he was in for a job as possibly a line for editor in chief. He admitted the whole thing, and 
there's a veiled people were very very angry with him internally but they still gave him the job so really? i mean they're in, angry with him internally for for the moonlighting or for the, the posing as a japanese writer oh interesting and so uh, there may have already been some sort of internal sanction, but they gave him the job anyway, which, I mean, does speak to, before all this came out, C.B. Sabolsky has been really well-respected, well-loved in the comics community, and that may still be true. Please don't anybody think I'm saying, oh, we must all hate him now. It's, um, a, it's an interesting ethical question as to whether or not that's... Yeah, it is. Um, that's really all that despicable. I mean... Well, it's diversity, it's inclusiveness. Marvel was making a big deal, of, and I do remember that in the early days of Family Planet, they had touted that they had recruited this this writer from Japan. Okay. To the point, by the way, here is the part. Let, let me make this clear. That's there the part are people that Marvel claims they had claimed they had met Akira Yoshida. Uh huh. And what they who they had met was a translator. Oh. A Japanese translator. That they assumed was Akira Yoshida. I do. I mean, I remember it was in the early days when um, when they did a. Re- I mean, and I think it's almost like a forgotten thing because it just didn't work. You know, um, was when they made a big thing about like they were doing spider manga, and remember there, there were manga oh, right, versions right, right. of everybody. Right. Uh, right of, there was a Wolverine, and you know, and they and they've done that a few times because I I know that I. I think is actually on um, Comic Con HQ. I think one of the uh, the anime version, anime versions like Doctor Strange is available there, or maybe I'm seeing it on Comcast. I know I've just seen oddly the anime things on pay per view on Comcast. Is that the same time they did the Spider Man in India, who was wearing yes wearing garb yes. that nobody would wear that day, but so it was really kind of um, ridiculous yes. that he was wearing those. It's not really the parachute pants, but they're they're, they're a much more blousey. Uh, and, and yes, I believe that's yeah. around the same time frame. Um, and I'm going to place this as yeah, that had to have been like 2002, because what was still then Brian's books was in that original. Well, for yes. me, original yes. place. <laughs> you know, yes. it's been in like Elusive Comics has been in two or three different places since, uh, two places since. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, all just. Uh, it, it's it's interesting, and as always in a case like this, you know, I, I, I do default to look. This is two middle aged white guys talking, um, and so to, you know, I encourage, I, I want to hear from people respectfully, of course, as to why or why not we should be outraged because or I should offended. Um, I I just don't know, but it is a story that I think, like I said, is going to keep unfolding. And we're going to get get more truths about it. Yeah. Let us talk about better things, uh, you know, things that are a little clearer, like our own legitimate opinions about things. I do want to just say I saw, uh, since you've, it's not your fault. I just finally, you know, but I, I do blame you because it was the Swamp Thing omnibus that I finally broke down and bought. Oh, you bought and, it. And, yeah, I bought the Swamp Thing omnibus, and then I bought the Howard the Duck omnibus because I figured that's the only way I can have it all in one place, and. Uh, and I bought the Werewolf by Night omnibus. So I have three omnibuses wow. after years of not having any omnibuses. And boy, are my arms tired. DC is putting out another one that I absolutely must have because it should be in one place. And I don't think they had, they had any other way of putting it in one place, which is that they are going to release Grant Morrison's 
Seven Soldiers of Victory series of miniseries together in one omnibus. And that's in August, and then following shortly thereafter, the Seven Soldiers of Victory omnibus will be $75. They're going to release his Batman work. No, no word yet if Batman Incorporated is included in that. But will that include it, the Batman of uh, Zarenar? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good series. Yes, so it includes Batman R.I.P. It's every, you know they're just saying it's everything. Oh. Although they might be claiming a volume one, you know, because it's interesting. You know, we did the we bought the Swamp Thing Bronze Age Omnibus and it said it was volume one. Right. But there really isn't material for a volume. Two. They're lo- leaving it open for 20 years from now. <laughs> they can come up with volume well, two. Well, I think, in, in light of the next thing we're going to talk about, they're leaving it open to screw Alan Moore. <laughs> <laughs> All that Bronze Age. and Because I think the omnibus go, goes through like the beginning of Saga of the Swamp Thing when, uh, is it Martin Pascoe wrote the revival? Um, I can't remember who originally. I know it was Tom Yates on the art when Len Wein was the editor. And then it stops before the anatomy lesson. So it, it yeah, it's, that's not in it. Before uh, Alan Moore got on the book. So yeah, <laughs> volume two is, is, you know, you buy it with the salt circled around. Because the next book we're going to talk about is <laughs> last week was uh, <laughs> nice, the release of nice the little new- drop no. there. Well, because you talk about ethics. You know, no, no, I mean, no, no, I meant the salt circle. <laughs> yeah, well, I always say we get with, with Alan Moore because I don't know how real his powers are. It's like Grant Morrison. I don't know. They might really both be magicians, and, uh, you know, it scares me a little bit. So, uh, and it, it ties into the Doomsday Clock. That number one came out last week, and then you talk right. about ethics. This is one of those things that uh, I believe it was you know, Comics Bulletin just ran a really good piece about why you should just, you know, question the ethicality of it because, you know, when Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons uh, went to D.C. and and did this miniseries, the original miniseries, Watchmen, the deal was that if it, uh, once it went out of print, after a year, they would get all the rights back. And, of course, this was before people were really buying trade paperbacks with any regularity, and I, I... Always think about that and go. That's right. You know, like like when you were a kid, you probably had Origins of Marvel Comics, Son of Origins of Marvel Comics, the Bring on the Bad Guys, and there was that Superman from the 30s to the 70s, and Batman from the 30s to the 70s. You know, these hardcovers. But what you could get in in paperback collections were were very spotty. But once they collected Watchmen into trade into a paperback, actually, yeah, I guess it was paperback first because I think I, I have that on yeah, my shelf. Yeah, right definitely now. was. Yeah, I mean, I know I have. A, I bought the, like the deluxe hardcover that they did uh, right the before the movie one? came out. No, 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 oh. no, not the, no, no. Oh no, no, no! no, no. no. I, 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 I bought so many copies of it when it first came out because I was loaning it to everybody. But I did buy for myself the original, the first edition hardcover that's in a. It's a hardcover boxed. And oh yeah, like I, Dynamic Forces did that. I have yeah. I have a King, I have Kingdom Come that way, but um, yeah, you know. The, but the point is, it's never gone out of print. No, Dave no. Gibbons and Alan Moore never got the rights back at a time when they knew they had done something special and expected that they would. And it was supposed to be a creator-owned series, but that was the deal, you know. So it was struck for creator rights. Uh, you know, they DC touted it's a it's a it's a new thing, and and that was that was a long ago management. 
you know, that that was Jeanette Kahn. Paul Levitz might have been in on that decision, but the reality is nobody could have predicted at that time that it was going to be the game changer it was. DC knew it would be important for DC. DC didn't know that it was going to be that important for comics. And so I'm always a little bit torn by that. Uh, a few years ago, DC did a, pre- a series of prequel series uh, before Watchmen. Alan Moore, of course, had already been very upset with DC and didn't care. Dave Gibbons, at least, uh, kind of gave a blessing to it, even though he didn't want to have anything to do with it, but he allowed, you know, or he, he, it wasn't his to allow, but, you know, he gave kind of tacit approval. Right, right. Um, this time around, when they announced Doomsday Clock, Dave Gibbons was like, no, I haven't been consulted at all. Um, so this is the series that brings Watchmen into the DC universe. And it's written by Jeff Johns with artwork by Gary Frank. Uh, by the way, I've I got to say, Chief Creative Officer of DC Entertainment, Jeff Johns, and head of DC Films. Right. Uh, and so it came out last week. They had midnight release parties at, on Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. And it's a 12-issue miniseries, and apparently it just rocketed to the top in sales. And I can say, I went into the shop uh, before I hit the road for Thanksgiving on Wednesday. And there were people walking into Elusive Comics that clearly did not, they weren't regular comics buyers because they were just coming up and they said, where's Doomsday Clock? And they, they didn't know to look at the new comics rack. They just walked up. You know. Now, were they fans or speculators? Well, I'm sure there are speculators coming out too. And they, but there it is. You can't stop them. But the point is the awareness of it is right. so high. Right, right. And so there's probably some speculators, but I think you know I think fans got it. But now let's talk about the book itself. Oh, yeah. I've given all the background, and it's set a few years after Watchmen, 1997. Was that the year that they, they put it in? Starts in 92. The first page okay, says November 20, right. 22nd, 1992. Well, but it goes back and forth, right? It's 1992, right, it and then 25 years later, yep. it's it's Earth. Are they calling this Earth One now? Earth Prime. Uh, it's it's between Earth Watchmen and Earth Prime. It's Earth Watchmen in 1992. Right. It's Earth Prime in 2017 or 2018, which was an interesting an interesting sequence. There's an implication. I don't want to spoil, but there's an implication at the end that. Well, my son read it first, which, boy, that was frustrating to be stuck in traffic on a freeway. My son goes, um, what, so, so-and-so, what? <laughs> I'm like, spoiler, son, spoiler, shut up. <laughs> then I read it later. Um, I don't know if I like that, if, if, I'm, if I'm right about the implication. Uh, Are you talking far, about the dream? Well, maybe. Uh, okay. I, I know, it's hard to, hard to say. Um you know, well, I guess let's just say the, the, it's the question everybody does is, we, you know, where is Doctor Manhattan? We we know that everything, all these series have led up to this question. Like the Oz effect ended with this, you know, the Doctor Manhattan. Well, somebody they still have not really come out and said in the rest of the DC universe that Doctor Manhattan is the one who stole the ten years. Right, but they've implied that it might be in the that the hand at the beginning of time. Yes, which used to be Krona? No, Krona saw the hand, right? Right. He wasn't the... But yeah. that that might be Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, and that's Which, I don't mind that's... that implication other than it's an unnecessary retcon. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily a retcon. Is naming it, you know, it's it, obviously it is a retcon, but it doesn't doesn't change anything from before, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's un, just unnamed hand. It's just, well, that is a great superhero name, the unnamed hand. That's that that's my... the name of an evil evil uh, league. That's like the foot or. Uh... <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and then some wise ass kid says. Well, if it's unnamed, how do you know its name is the unnamed hand? Right. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Gary Frank's art is fantastic in it this is. book. The, the it, it's it's beautiful, and you know, my my son really liked it, and I have not let him read Watchmen yet. Um, but I guess he's thirteen. It's about it's probably okay now to at least read the comic. I'm not so sure. I'd say. Yeah, you know, the movie. But um, he's thirteen; he can read Watchmen. He can watch. He can read Watchmen. Well, you know, I think about it. It's when people say, "I'm, I'm still planning on this experiment with Dave McGuire, who never read Watchmen, uh, the guy who's the writer of Donovan and Sims." <laughs> right. He, but he bought it. I took him to Earth Two, uh-huh. and he bought the trade paperback. And I said, "Man, I really, really, really want to know." Like, I was in college when that came out. I read it in, you know, it was, we'll say, real time, you know, back in those days when you could go to the comic book store on a Friday, because that's when the books came out. Right. And you bought, and you, and, and I could read them all over the weekend, um, and I had to do it monthly, you know, and so it was such a game changer. It was such a, like, oh, wow, oh my gosh, and, and everything that he was, Alan Moore was doing with it, and Dave Gibbons was doing with the, with the structure was so mind blowing then. And Car D'Angelo and I've talked about this. Like Car being the owner of Earth Two, we've talked about it a couple of times about how, like, you know, the question is: Well, so many books have borrowed from it. Let's say politely, you know, borrowed ideas and narrative techniques from it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Johns is certainly a Time War three or five, you know. And so, does reading the original Watchmen have the impact? now to someone that it did then or is this like watching citizen kane showing a bunch of of, of kids teenagers citizen kane and, and they saying, complain no, no. about it it's in black and white well when you say like and you're saying no you don't get it it's important because it's the first one to do it yeah you know and, and but they're so used to all these techniques so i think that gary frank uh, and jeff johns tried to do a similar structure uh, because it definitely does the nine panel break breakdown at least for a couple pages. And then it really, it kind of violates that rule, but it still has kind of the grid layout. It's, uh, you know, so it's, it's a beautiful book. It's interesting. Everything fits, you know, and when you look at, you look at rectangle designs, everything fits into those nine panels, even if some of the panels extend over multiples of them. And actually that's not true because there is one, uh, there's at least one page where it is four panels across three down. So I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know if it's worth doing an analysis on the panel breakdown. No, it's See not. If there's a coded was, message in there, but, but the, no, it, the, yeah. it's not. It's the Jeff John's, Jeff, 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 how did how did his quote go? He said, "When I'm told not to do something, that's when I want to do it." So he's a rule breaker, man. He's a oh, rebel man. At, at, at fifty. 
No, he's not that old. I have no idea how old Jeff is. I know he's younger than me. Uh, so that's 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 all I know. Uh, but uh, it was a good book, and it was one of those that I, I was kind of like, well, I don't know if it's a great good idea or not, but I'll read it. And then I was like, and partially because I love Gary Frank's art, man. I just I just love. Oh Gary man! Frank. So I I went in the the day it came out, and I ended up getting the book the the version they had put in my box which was the the end is near street scene one yeah the brad anderson cover which is the least exciting one but i had promised myself i wasn't going to go nuts buying stuff so i had to go back in so how many of, alternate covers did you get i had to go back in and <laughs> and they told me that they had sold out of uh, sold out of everything else and so i had to go back in um because one of my books was bad, and I took it back in, and and I told Neil, you know, man, that that Gary Frank cover for Doomsday Clock is just beautiful. If they if you get a second printing for that, I would definitely buy a copy of that. He goes, well, I've still got first printing, and he had set a couple aside, but he hadn't told J.K. So yeah, um, I bought I bought the Gary Frank one, the one with the disassembling Superman and the Doctor Manhattan, which is just an, an amazingly beautiful. Um, and, and, and let's give a shout out, by the way, to the store that you go to, which is Hijinx Comics of Willow Glen. Right, so, right. Yes. But the one that I didn't expect to buy, because I looked at it and go, oh, it's lenticular. And then I looked at it, and we mentioned, um, uh, we mentioned Dave Gibbons' art, right? Gibbons does get a cover. He gets, did you see this? No. You didn't see this. So there is a, there is a Doomsday Clock cover that is uh rorschach rorschach and it's lenticular in that his mask changes and the way they've done it you know most lenticular runs left to right mm -hmm. so you turn the book left and right and it does it this one's top to bottom to maintain the fact that rorschach's yeah. mask is peril is parallel and you flip it one way it's a standard rorschach test looking mask flip it another way and it's Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman symbols in in a kind of a mm -hmm. foggy. I've, I've seen that particular image. Yeah. Without the lenticular area, and, and while you say that Gibbons gets a cover, I'm not sure that that was done with Gibbons' cooperation. The, I was, the accreditation is um, lenticular cover based on existing art by Dave Gibbons. Yeah, so that's different. That is yeah. different. No, but he, is, you know, I, I'm just saying that. I know, but what I'm saying as an artist, saying, he did go to cover. Yes, but take, so. but it's like running a Jack, an old Jack Kirby cover. Now. Yes, yes, yes. Still a better lenticular cover than any Marvel Legacy. No, I mean, uh, and, and, <laughs> but this is because you can it, see both images, but and not gonna, at once. But if you're going to do a lenticular cover something for something, doing Rorschach's mask is just the right thing to do. You know. Yeah. So tell me about where is Wolverine? Sweet. So uh, <laughs> So, this new promotion that uh, his this was I this was in this month's of, this month's previews which came out this week and uh, there's a full cover full page um, picture it's a Wolverine picture I know I've seen it before but it's he's and I, I think I've seen it because there are apparently there are three Marvel characters each one with a with a, an Infinity Stone. Mm -hmm. And this is this is Wolverine. It looks like it's Twilight. He's standing in his cowboy hat and and t-shirt and uh, jeans in front of a truck, which we've already seen him in this in that truck somewhere. I can't remember where I've seen him. Uh, Legacy. 
Was it and, a legacy? And, and okay. at the end yeah, of yeah, Legacy, yeah. there was like a, a preview of like they were gonna they actually ran an ad for Where Is Wolverine? Right. So and so a, that, that that's where the image comes from. And but, and there's a but there's a splash there on the page that says it says Where Is Wolverine? Find him in the post credit scenes at the end of key Marvel titles starting this January, and which is the idea that that they are pushing post credit scenes in comics now because they've been so popular in the movies. Um, they've been truly popular in the movies. So you know what we used to call those backup features. <laughs> That's all it is. But yeah, um, again. I guess I misunderstood, maybe, or I just didn't pay enough attention that, you know, there was that Marvel Legacy number one, and I don't think I saw Marvel Legacy two. I think we're just seeing all these. I don't think there's been one. Yeah, I thought there was going to be because of the story of Avengers 1 million. But be that as it may, and we don't need to research it right now, because why should we be speaking with facts and knowledge? Uh, One thing that is still clear is that, my God, every Marvel Legacy book that I have picked up with a cynical eye, I have loved. Yeah. And we I, just told Steve Mix that. You we know, did. Uh, and so. I, I had to correct myself because originally I wrote, they're all like single issue stories, but they're not. There have been a couple that continue, but there have been a number that have been nicely crafted single issue yeah. stories, which I think that's wonderful when they do that. Yeah. So... And so let's turn to let's go to what's in the bag. I'm I'm gonna say Rick, please, because it is late. Let's let's get to three. Let's limit ourselves to three. I know okay. it's like killing your children, but go ahead. What's oh, no, first I, in your bag? Okay, so first in my bag is uh, Marvel Legacy Moon Girl <laughs> number twenty five. They're going back to the original numbering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It, it would have been funny if they picked up Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy, but yeah, right, right, yeah. right. So this is uh, you know the. Issue 24, I was actually considering stopping Moon Girl, not because I didn't like it, but just because it's a little light. It's, it's, and I, I, I kind of got it, you know, the, the whole, the Moon Girl and the devil dinosaur. And I, I'm looking, I'm looking to pair back on books because really I've just got too many to read, but they drew me back in. They drew me back in because this one is called Fantastic Three Part One and it co-stars Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm, the Human from Torch and the week, Thing. From last week, yeah, right, I read that. Right, right. So there, uh, this is this is from last week, um, but we didn't meet last week. Uh, and they're going to be apparently they're going to be a few issues of Moon Girl, <laughs> Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl. Um, this is actually it's just titled Moon Girl on the cover, even though I'm sure the Indicia says Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Yeah, so yeah, uh, it was fun. That so, was a really fun book. It's got her- uh, herbies in it too, <laughs> and, and 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 the thing it's got herpes. What herbie? Uh, the, oh. Don't take this personally, but even Magneto was more fun than you. Oh, okay, sorry. That the uh, I, I don't know what happened. Like the spirit of Lon Lopez just sort of like hovered above me. Um, you know, and it's another one where I'd say is what I've been doing with the, with the legacy books. If they're books that I've been buying, but I was behind on, I'm still diving into the story. Yeah. from the legacy and that was just so oh it's like oh a copy of speed just perfectly and uh so i'm loving that i'm first on my stack is i'm gonna go with all this week because there were several books that are just great jumping on points because it was a light week uh but dc launched an interesting miniseries 
uh, which I'm looking for the – oh, yes, okay. It just said welcome to. But actually the title of the book is Mystic U, M-Y-S-T-I-K, and U as in university. And it's um, a gathering of their magical heroes. Huh. Uh, did you pick this up? No, I did not. I didn't okay. even see it. This is by Alyssa Quitney uh, and Mike Norton uh, as the artist, and Jordi Belair, who's a heck of a great artist on his own, uh, is the colorist. It's, um, it's one, a beautiful book artistically, and the premise is basically that something has happened disastrously with magic in the present day, and so Rose, a cult, has to, uh, Rose and Zatanna basically have to turn back time and reset on a new path to see if they can go far enough back to stop the magic. So uh, the, the bad magic from happening. And so what it's doing is basically redefining the magical realm for DC's rebirth, which we've, we've seen before, you know, new 52 certainly tried it with justice league dark. Um, years ago, Neil Gaiman did books of magic. This does not apparently have Tim Hunter in it. Uh, and I'm still unclear as like what happened in New 52, how much of that is still rolled over to to the Rebirth era, or this might just be a separate book. There's no branding that says Rebirth. There's no. It's just uh, uh, you know a little thicker stock. It's a it's a beautiful thing, but it's gathering all. So many of and some forgotten magic heroes from DC are teenagers or you know 18 attending it's it's almost like the harry potter thing so there are some old old school magic heroes that are full-grown adults and are educators at mystic university okay and and then there are people there are five um june moon the enchantress uh sargon the sorcerer and these are who you know now uh, right. by this zatanna uh a new character uh that i that or at least new to me, uh, Faust, the son of Felix Faust that had been in Justice League for a while. Right. Um, so they're all freshmen at Mystic U. And what you would appreciate, and I won't explain how, but they've actually weaved in plop. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I just could with, with I saw, Wolverton drawing or what? No, I know. I just I can't I can't tell you. You're gonna want to go back to the store and pick this up. But for those who don't know, Plop was this humor book in the uh, early '70s from DC with Basil Wolverton covers. Uh, Kane, Abel, and Eve were the rotating kind of like hosts of it. But it was a it was a comedy. Right. Uh, it was a funny book with like just short stories and interesting and weird. Um, you know, it was it was still kind of had a horror base, but it was still it was funny. Um, so it ties in, and when I realized that's what they were doing, I just said, "Oh my gosh, that's 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 great, that's awesome." Uh, so I, I, again, I don't want to reveal how, but it's a beautiful uh, and later. Is that uh, part going to is that part going to play to somebody who's not quite as old as we are? It's not going to matter. Okay. It's just, it's just, it's very, very clever, and it's a major part. But if you don't know that callback, that's fine. Okay. But once you read it, uh, you and I can talk about it because it actually, it's, it's, I think, even more clever than, uh, than I thought on first reading. It's uh, there's a, it, it actually harkens back to the very first plop story. So um, it's is is Madame Xanadu in it? Yes, Madame Xanadu. She teaches divination. 
Interesting. So she's one of the adults, and and then there's a couple of others just off, kind of off on the side. Uh, it, it is. It's really interesting. It's a new vision of Sargon, and a long overdue vision of Sargon, and an interesting look at the early days of Zatanna. And I was thinking about it, going like, we've had through. If you're an old time fan, we've had two different explanations of what happened to Zatara in the in. We were just talking about the Bronze Age swamp thing, right? So right. in Alan Moore's run, there was an explanation of what happened to Zatara, and in the '60s. When Zatanna first became a, a major character for DC, there was an interesting Justice League crossover that explained what happened to Zatara. So this now gives a third story of what of what happened huh. to Zatara. Nice. So, and I don't resent it. It's like, of course, you know, it's a new era. They're redefining it for for a new set of readers, and I think that's what I like most about this book. Is I know I, I'm going to give it to my son this weekend, and. It's an introduction to great characters, very fully formed, and you know it, it, it's it's cool, and so I I was really happy about this book. Next on your stack, well, it's interesting that you you just covered a book that came out this week too. Yeah, that came out this week. So I I covered another book. I pulled another book this week that um, actually also has Madame Xanadu in it. And I, I and I I have to say I'm going to pick that one of you just mentioned because she's always been one of my favorite DC mystical properties because she actually acts like I'd expect somebody to act the the mysteriousness of it the unexplained mm-hmm. the kind of semi gray morality of it all um, and she's fitting right right smack dab in issue number one of six of the Demon. Hell is Earth. Which, From last week, yes. Which is, oh, that's right. It was last week. Yeah. So Etrigan returns. Um, and did you read this? Did you get this? I did. Yeah. I did. And what'd you think? I loved it because I think it, it disturbed my son. He read it first again. <laughs> but uh, we, we always love things that, that disturb our son. Well, he's, he's mad. That, you know, they, they, why don't they just call the book Etrigan? Why do they have to call it the demon? Because that. That's what it was called. You yeah. know, nobody knows, you know, that's just, again, I have to periodically explain trademark law. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but because people know what a demon is, they don't know what an Etrigan is. Etrigan is. It, it's a take on their relationship. Yes. I, I've got to yes. say that I've never seen. Well, it's, I may it's, have missed something, but I think I've read almost everything that the demon has been in. I know I have, and I've, never been as satisfied with the with the character as i was when kirby was writing it of course yeah um and but this is the best one since kirby stopped uh just after one issue i can tell you that it's i i love i love the back and forth between jason and um mm-hmm. and etrigan and the dialogue was fresh. The idea that he said, I thought you didn't do rhyming anymore. <laughs> that was, that was great. Cause there was an absurd period where he, he just spoke in rhyme. Oh, and I'm sure whoever was writing it really inheriting that didn't like it. Um, but, uh, this, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, six. I, I, and I saw this, I saw this in the store. I thought maybe I'll just buy, the trade because obviously one of six it's going to be a trade when issue yeah. six comes out it'll be a trade um and that's fine if you if you're curious about it listener wait for the trade 
but I can't wait. This is this is just too good. No, it was good. It was really fun. And you know, for the people that don't know, speaking, of, you know, there is a collection of Kirby's demon work because unfortunately, yes. there, you know, it's one of those. As to me, it still sometimes is astounding to me for for work that has had such a tremendous impact on the industry and specifically on the DC universe. There's not a lot of of those Kirby book, uh, you know, there weren't that many issues. So no. like 18 of the demon, maybe, um, yeah. you know, yeah. Mr. Miracle, not that many command. was the longest. Cause I think that's the one he had the most fun with. Um, you know, fourth world didn't last that long. So most of them, I think were done within 20, 24 issues. Yeah. So you can find, you know, there's a, there's a really good hardback collection. Uh, it doesn't qualify for an omnibus because I can lift it without the benefit <laughs> of painkillers. Uh, but but it really is a good a good collection, and it was a centerpiece uh, of last year's Pro Fan Trivia Contest at Comic Con uh, because it was one of the things that Kirby had done that I have poured over so many times because I was just fascinated by that character as a kid. Uh, my first experience was uh, Brave and the Bold with uh, the Jim Aparo drawing it with Batman. Oh, um, yeah. and you know, pick that up and went, what the heck is this character? Yeah. You know? And, and so it was spotty as a kid, but I've read everything since, you know, and, uh, and then I was so thrilled when that collection came. Yeah. So, but, uh, and what I, the Madame Xanadu appearance in it is, is quite good too. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, there's an interesting one. I'm not sure yet, but I want to call it out because it is interesting. I love, I, 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 I like the idea, but the book turned out to not be quite what I thought it was going to be. Uh, Kurt Buschak and John Paul Leon uh, doing kind of a follow-up to a mini-series years ago called Superman's Secret Identity, um, which was kind of just re-envisioning Superman for a real world. and But not to be compl- com- confused with the real world's... Um, you know, one shots that DC did for a while. This is called Batman creature of the night. Did you pick this one up? I saw it. I didn't pick it up. So it's interesting because it's, it's about a boy who, uh, grows up reading Batman and being obsessed with the comics. And his name is Bruce Wainwright. And so he likes to imagine himself as Bruce Wayne. And he has an uncle Al, Albert Frederick, so he calls him Al- Alfred, um, and it's set in the late '60s and early '70s. And I like John Paul Leone. His artwork is is really intricate, and uh, you know he he definitely has a mastery of shadows. And I think there's probably be I don't know how many bat actual regular Batman stories he's done, but not enough because he's you know he's an artist so beautifully suited for it. Um, but this is kind of a blend of the real world and, as in Superman's Secret Identity, the revelation that there is some kind of Batman. And I won't go further than that. There is some kind of Batman working in this story. And so this is a guarded recommendation because, like I said, it wasn't what I expected. And I'm not quite sure yet that I... I like where I got where it went but then I think on the other hand doesn't that mean maybe it was interesting because it has me intrigued because yeah. I want an explanation yeah. and uh, so it, you know really I clearly there are things that, that Buschek is making commentary about the late 60s and early 70s with some of the characters and yeah I just think there's you know 
this is an interesting book. Not quite as personal for Bushek as I think, think that Astro City often is, but it definitely is a book with a point of view about heroism. And so it's an interesting read to pick up. I'm not sure how many issues it will be. Uh, and it's five ninety nine, uh, but uh, the square bound, cool looking Pres- book, prestige bound. Pre- oh, is that what they're calling it these days? Yeah, when it's it a, just feels thin. You know, yeah. I remember the days when prestige bounds were like forty. Maybe it is forty eight pages. It's just thinner stock. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't feel as prestigious as it once did. So, but that's that's life. Uh, so, uh, last on your stack. You know, I had to flip a coin. Uh, and they're both from the same publisher, and this company is doing such good work. Uh, Hard Case Crime Comics. Um, if you're tired of superheroes, if you're tired of horror, if you want to try something new, this is really a place to go. And that's that's true for both the comics they're putting out, and they, they've they been doing uh, paperback, and uh, I don't think they've done any hardback, but tra- in trade and uh, and the large edition um, prose books as well for quite a while series and the great, great authors like Stephen King and uh, Max Allen Collins. And, you know, yeah, I think, I I think the reality, again, I can do the inside baseball. I think that hard case crime, the book publisher that does the Stephen King is licenses the brand hard case crime to its Titan comics. Well, I mean, for example, the book I'm not going to do this this week is Corey's War, which is based on that the, was a clever, re- passive aggressive way of sleeping of sneaking a fourth one in. Which okay. is Max Allen Collins, who does write for Hard Case. So, yes, you know there is continuity there, even if the yeah. the, the the printer. But the no. book the book um, and Corey's Corey's War is a uh, Corey is a long time series antihero stuff. But the one that I the one that I instantly had to have when i saw this in previews and that's how I, I, I told my comic you know buy previews find the books you want tell your dealer you want them ahead of time so you don't miss them and this is uh minky woodcock the girl who handcuffed houdini and cynthia von bueller is the uh is the writer and this the book itself is uh, primarily influenced by historic uh, historic background because uh houdini was uh very much obsessed with the afterlife totally. no, no, the no, after- no i'm kidding all right the, af- the afterlife the idea that he was um trying to get in touch with people and he would go to spiritualists and he was taken advantage of by a number of them the it's written and illustrated by cynthia von bueller so i totally got that wrong um he, he yeah he turned it around he became a, a great debunker of them but he was right right that's right. the irony of being driven by he was searching to contact his mother I've, but this I've, book does take place during the time when he's he's seeking them out but what i really bought this cover it's it sounds it sounds it's like the cake and the icing so the cake was a houdini, houdini mystery story uh dealing with his, historic things that happened um the cover on this is the icing because i think this is the first cover, first comic book cover, ever uh, painted by Robert McGinnis, um, and it's oh. one. And McGinnis, if you don't know, is the guy who has done so many movie posters and probably best known for the James Bond series uh, in the early well, Sean think, Connery was it, was days. It, was it last year's gift guide that you had the book? 
I his probably did. I probably yeah, did. Or two years ago. I, I, I do recall it. And, and he's just been painting new covers for Neil Gaiman's work. Yes, he has. He, he did uh, American Gods and uh, the Anastasia. And, At least six. Anastasia. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Stop saying the Stasi boys. Anansi boys. Anansi boys. Totally I can't, different title you're coming I, up with. I don't have it in front of me, so it's hard to you, read. No, you never say it right. It's okay. I know, I, 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 you I, I, always make yeah. it some kind of gulag story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, those he's are done, those are wonderful too. He's done at um, least six covers for that. So, and or, this is one of his uh, amazing, amazingly beautiful women, and it's it's everything in the picture is placed so that it's it can be put on a, put on a on a stand and not have to have a uh, a cardboard thing in front of it to keep children from seeing it. But at the same time, just amazingly uh, beautiful McGinnis. Are you going to uh, be woman. actually framing this book? You know, because. I understand that they're selling is, comics frames, which is this, weird to me. This but is this is a potential. I'm hoping that he'll be doing covers for every issue of this. I did so. not see that on the stand, and now you've you, that's something that will drive me back to the store to see if I can get it. Because regardless of the beginner's art, the concept of again a Houdini story, I'm always a sucker for as well. So yeah. I, it was it was not elusive. Which I understand the, the downside to hard case crime uh, as a comic book imprint is that you know it's one of those that you do have to see them in previews and i say and we've talked about this before i for me this is an impractical way to to sell books you know um but i'm not the only person to complain about that you know i i barely have the time to read the comic books that i actually buy that i want to read i yeah. don't have time to go through a catalog and see if there are more comics that i want to buy that i want to read I have to just see it on the stand and go, ooh, I got to get that. I, so, flipped, I flipped through previews. It takes me about 45 minutes to go through the whole book. And I, and, I don't and have literally, that 45 minutes. I'm, I'm doing it like a guy, like a Japanese businessman reading a manga on his way to work. You know, I was like flipping those pages. So, Are you riding a, a metro train? I, I In my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and really, and, and, home. So and you're not and, like what a Japanese businessman, salary man anyway. All right, go ahead. Right, right no. That's it. <laughs> I was going to make a a really don't do it. Just stop. A nineties music Save reference. Yourself. Okay. Um, my last book is I because this is a light week. DC released a series of annuals, and I've got four uh, on my stack. So I'm only gonna I'm only gonna recommend one, but I'm really <laughs> recommending all. No, um, because they're one shots. You can yeah. just pick them up. These are four ninety nine, but the book that because it actually made me cry, um, was the Batman Annual number two. Oh, don't tell me anything about it. I haven't read it yet. Uh, the title is just Date Nights and Lights. It's, it's already been spoiled for me by the uh, comic book media houses. Yeah, I avoided them today. Uh, and so I, I managed to sneak this one in over dinner. And, you, you know, I, you're right. I don't want to want to spoil it. It is just a, a beautiful done in one story though tangentially related to what's going on in batman that tom king is is writing on a regular basis right just gorgeous art by lee weeks an incredibly beautiful story and you know it could almost be an alternate universe and and i'd be fine you know and i want to see that because i yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to get, but the other ones that came out this week, just so people know, are Aquaman, Super Sons, and Justice League America. 
And and every one of them was like, I'm behind on Aquaman. I'm be I to my great dismay, I'm behind in Super Sons. And I, I I've been reading sporadically Justice League America. I I didn't need to know. Yeah. You know, seriously, didn't need to know what was going on in the regular monthly books to enjoy these. So each and every one of these four annuals, I, I guess I did the, I, I pulled the Rick and snuck it in. Each and every one of these four annuals is you can pick up, and with the possible, except you know, I'd give Super Sons to any kid. That's all I'll say. Yeah, this would be a great Christmas present. It's a, you know, not too expensive. I wish I wish it had come out last week or two weeks ago so we could have put it on our gift list. I mean, it's that good and that fun for kids. And they should have just released it as like a, a little sturdier book so that kids could, you know, could abuse it and reread it. And it, and it will be one of those. That's all I'll say. You, you, you topped me there. I've never squeezed, I've never squeezed uh, wow. another th- three books in. <laughs> no, you have. Uh, <laughs> so believe me. Uh, so let's get to movies, shall we? Because, you know, speaking of Aquaman, now the movie's out. Uh, we can we can finally we've you know joked for two. Oh, two just a, just a second. I, I, there was one, I, when you were going on. You were waxing poetically about about the annual. But are you reading the Batman book regularly right now? I, I'm a little behind. I know what's going on, um, and that's why I'm I'm sad that Rebirth is not as they, they've stopped the numbering of the actual arcs. Yeah. So actually, you know what I did last weekend, and I still need to go through is. I have embarked upon a project, and I need a thirteen-year-old sidekick to put together runs to sort your stuff. <laughs> to to sort, yeah. I I, th- no, I think I know a kid. Yeah, uh, and he's coming back this weekend, and uh, because he was asking for things, he'd gone a few weeks without. You know, he yeah. we got this big bag last week before Thanksgiving, and it's I'm like I I said we'll go to the store so that you've got stuff to read on the way up to the hotel, and he's like. I'm like you, Dad. There's only two books here that I'm caught up on because they're number ones. I can't read. It. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. So he can only read the Demon and, and the Doomsday Clock. And I was like, okay, we got to. So we had a few but days and we sorted through some stuff. You've read enough that you can agree with me. The current run of Batman is just really, really good. Oh and, yeah. And and the way I mean, I, the counterpoint to that is, I I, I think the what they've done with Batman and detective is Batman's been really fairly straightforward storytelling. Whereas detective being the Batman family book is where you get the convoluted storylines and the long distended stuff. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I like, I like the, the difference breaking them out that way. But I, I, anybody who, who likes the character Batman, if they're not reading it right now, they, they're really missing out. No, absolutely. I, I think, and again, you, you want to just jump in? You're, you don't know where to dip a toe? Pick up this annual. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and it is, uh, this is gonna, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, it's going to go down as one of my favorite Batman stories. The greatest is still uh, To Kill a Legend by Alan Brenner, but, um, you know, this is really an amazing story, and I'm, I'm not blowing smoke on here. I was really blown away by this. So um, anyway, let's get to to movies that might have featured Batman. Uh, no, I, I do want to say we can talk about Aquaman because apparently they released online um, some artwork from the regular uh, Aquaman artists uh, depicting all the movie versions of the characters. 
And so, because they're ready for it. What I cannot believe in all this controversy and so forth, and, you know, we'll get to, like, the other team movie that broke the internet this week, uh, (laughs) is that we're not getting another... They might sneak one in. We might get our Inferior 5, like, suddenly in May. Uh, (laughs) Aquaman doesn't open until next December. There is nothing currently on the... DC film schedule between Justice League and Aquaman. Wow. That's a whole year. Wow. And in the meantime, Marvel is going to pummel them because you just had Thor, which was good. You're going to have Black Panther. And yes, and And I'm I'm sorry, there is nothing about Black Panther that looks like it could possibly go wrong and i'm I, seriously <laughs> it just looks so amazing and he's not even my favorite character but just like captain america once the first avenger was done black panther might shoot to being my favorite character because the movie looks so damn good yeah and then avengers infinity war is in may and then ant-man and the wasp will be in you know their christmas slot right. so DC, either get it together or admit you're done. <laughs> you know? like, well, we're going to get we're going to get to their strength later. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because he, see, I, I was thinking about that because you know, every I've been seeing a lot of comments. Is it's it's like the illusion that Marvel film, Marvel Studios, and Marvel Television are still the same. They're not, and right. that's and and. Marvel is struggling a little bit with it, or Marvel Television is struggling a little bit with that because yeah. they're still trying to pretend like everything's nice. You know, oh, I fell down the stairs. I, you know, it's fine. The, you know, the <laughs> I movies, was not pushed. <laughs> the movies really love us. Where DC took a different tack, and I don't mind the different tack. Um, I am not a hater of Justice League. I'm just not a lover of that film. It was... It was fan service, and I believe you know my my review said it's like it's like you took the trailer for for that fan film Grayson, and you yeah. extended that kind of storytelling for two hours, and there were some things that were like, oh, I'm so thrilled, I can't believe I'm seeing this, and the, and I'm not talking about the digital upper lip uh, <laughs> that. Like it's really cool. I just wish it was tied a little more coherently into the story. The post, the mid credit, and the post credit scenes for Justice League are like you didn't earn that at all. You know, and and they can be non sequiturs because Marvel's certainly done that. But this was so non sequitur. It was like you just did that because you're not sure you're going to be able to legitimately tie that kind of scene <laughs> into a coherent narrative. We're so talking about the that, race? Yeah. I guess yeah. now we can say that, right? The Superman flag, like, why the heck? Now, it was cute, and I thought, in context, when Superman and the Flash are trying to rescue people, yes. and you see the house, so that joke, that's fine. That's a joke, you know, that's a scene that landed because it was tied into the narrative. But a lot of right. this just was sort of like, you know, I mean, this movie even opens with, or the Batman scene opens with, he's going to use a criminal as bait. And then it seems like he just kind of let that criminal go. But that criminal was still a criminal. 
<laughs> right, right. It was like, well, he he's got bigger fish to fry. Than yeah, so totally. Yeah, than the so. guy who founded the serial killer division of the FBI. Right. Um, which have you watched, Mine Hunters or Mine no, Hunter on no, Netflix? No, I have not. I have not. Oh, fantastic! But that's who, but that's who that criminal is. He's one of the uh. two two leads of that. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of everything about Aquaman was great. Everything about Wonder Woman filled me with a little bit of trepidation because I went, well. The way it's shot, at least, it points out the limitations of Gal G- of Gal Gadot's acting ability. Uh-huh. Because I felt like you could edit the same reaction shot in every place, and it would have been just the same. She's got the same coy, knowing smile that she kind of half uh, Mona Lisa coy. Mo- well, you know, and I, I think she is a perfect embodiment of Wonder Woman. There's no, there's no question. Yeah. Me. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you watch the Saturday Night Live that she hosted, which I knew was going to happen, was all that really did was expose that she's good as Wonder Woman. She's an actor, at least in English, of limited ability. Uh-huh. But that works very well for Wonder Woman. And, right. Right, right. You know, so uh, my surprise was that I did like Ezra Miller as the Flash. It's just not my Flash, you know. It was just kind of like... Right, right. He works I, within I, that... And we talked about this before. I, I do like the fact that they brought brought him out, and it, it is kind of like the uh, when uh, Wally was when Wally was the Flash. That was when they brought out the fact that he had to eat a lot, right? Yeah. So he's Which more they, the Wally Flash well, they, than they the Barry Flash. To, they they forget on the TV series for about fifteen episodes at a time right. that right. he needs to eat a lot, and then they'll make a scene where they'll put in a scene where it's like, oh, it's it really stops everything dead to talk about how much Barry has to eat, you right. know? <laughs> so it's just funny. And the original TV series did it too. The, uh, John Wesley ship one. That was, that was the, you know, right from the pilot, the get go of like, he'd have to eat 30 burgers. And so it is, it, it was, it was fun to see that. Um, cyborg was a disappointment mainly because I just think they just didn't develop him. It he was just it, there. He, they gave him a mopey part. You know, they yeah. they gave him, yeah, that that was, he didn't have anything to really react to. And I someone mean, can counter me because I'm not obviously a big sports fan, but the one thing, the thing that bothered me about his characterization was even though he's mopey, I understood the mopiness, and never mind that they actually count, you know, contradicted what was established in Batman v Superman about his origin, but they did, uh, that um, someone who was such a football star he doesn't think team. He doesn't think sports. Yeah, and just for the at you know the athletes that I know, not many, and certainly no pros, but you know those people, those people that like played in college and so forth. It's more a part of their life, and I understand that there's the mopey depression, and I get it. Right. Um, you know, and I guess my disappointment is. I know that they have a fantastic actor in the form of Ray Fisher. You know, he was he was up in the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. He's very accomplished. He can handle it all. You know, and he's a great stage actor. So I'm sure he he, he will be a great film actor. They just gave him so little to do. Yeah, you totally blame the script. That's all. But whose script? That's the other thing. You can tell which scenes are like Joss Whedon and which scenes it's were. True. You know, and so it's it, it, it's a mess that I will enjoy owning on Blu-ray. So, like the original <laughs> Tim Burton Batman, 
I, I have not yet identified what the Kim Basinger scenes are, but I, but I know I will and fast forward through those or skip the chapter, you know? So, um, it was fun, but at some point it's true. You got to stop making excuses for DC films and say, okay, well it's, it's setting up the possibility of something great, which did happen with wonder woman. And I, I do believe because it was so strong, I think it's going to happen with Aquaman. I think you've yeah. got a great director. You've got James Wan directing that film. They, at least Justice League established how you can do underwater scenes and still have the dialogue. Yes. And you just have to have a mirror around. And it, well, sure, but or, or there may be parts where that's that's, that's what she does. It's like so that right. people can communicate. Um, apparently, they cut Willem Dafoe entirely from Justice League, and he was originally shot some scenes there. Interesting. Um, so he's Volko, and so he'll still, he'll be a major part of. Uh, and, and anybody you know to promote another podcast, uh, Mark Maron's WTF recently ran an interview with him because he's an Oscar contender for the Florida Project, and he actually did talk about Aquaman just a little bit. And I was like, oh, there's a little tidbit there that I don't think people knew, and um, so it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, so let's so, talk. Go, go well, ahead. I, I was going to say that. It is also remarkable that, um, I mean, it, it's like when you say it was only 120 minutes, right? But we've had, we've had a lot of movies lately that have been, um, two hours 20 to 230. Uh, and I think that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see what they throw into this when they, release it on the, D, on the Blu-ray. I, I think there's going to be a lot. And there's a lot of controversy and I, I don't, I care one way or the other. You know, there's a movement to say we that they want the Zack Snyder cut, and I would like to see. Well, you know, did you watch Batman v Superman: The Ultimate Cut? Yes, I did. And you know, you, I, I think you'd agree. Narratively, the 30 minutes adds a lot more sense to that movie. Still, it, not it, as much sense as that movie needed. A lot but, of times, when they add like 30, 40 minutes to a film. Some parts just don't feel like they blend in. Yeah, you know, they don't feel like they're they're they feel real ancillary. Um, and these all felt like they belong there. You know. Yeah, that's it, what's and, sad. It didn't save anything, but it uh, definitely uh, uh, it definitely I will felt right. Differ in one point is that I think it saved Lois Lane. It saved yeah, Lois Lane as a character. Yeah. yeah. Which you know, I, I don't know that Justice League did. So let, let's move forward because, of course, it literally did break the internet. Uh, well, I should say, literally did. Practically, the most watched YouTube video in history over a twenty-four hour period dropped yesterday morning. Oh, yeah. The trailer for Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> With scenes that we had not seen at D23. And that's what I was just like, just a couple oh. things where it was just like, oh, you added more. Oh, oh. And yet they took away because we saw more at D23. Yeah. That, and that's okay. Uh, but Get this man a shield. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just, uh, it, it is beautiful. And the difference, and, and I, it's not going to be the last time I say this tonight, is that, you know, the difference is. Marvel has completely earned it. They have organically built to this moment. And you know, they're so meta. They're, they're, <laughs> the trailer for Avengers Infinity War has a post credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's so, 
Yeah, and, and that's fine, you know. And then, and then, I think that the Justice League approach could have worked if they had just gone ahead and acted like everybody knew who everybody was, and just gone in, and we would have accepted it. like the the failed the one that didn't happen, the George Miller directed Justice League movie from like two thousand nine. Yeah, would have just been okay. Here's the actors; they're doing it. Boom, and it had been a one off, and that would have been fine. And you know, I think that. That, uh, that that would have been a bold move, and it might have worked. And some of it did. You know, I think one of the things, by the way, that just kind of bothered me about Justice League, even as I was like squeeing like a fanboy, was you went back in time four or five thousand years when Apocalypse invaded before, and there's the Green Lantern Corps, and right. there's Atlanteans and Amazons, and for a movie that's, that's paying so much attention for the previous films, it made such a big deal that oh. This has been a normal Earth until suddenly an alien's been discovered. Right, right, right. right. You know, and then everybody's going, "Oh yeah, the the Atlanteans." You know, the Atlanteans. <laughs> oh, with the Green Lanterns. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it was taken so much for granted that the Green Lantern Corps was here four thousand years ago, and I forgot who it was, but some, but somebody has like freeze framed already, you know, from a trailer or a screen grab or something, uh, and identified which lantern it was. Of, tw- of Sector 2814. Oh, and really? So that they're kind of like, you know, have they laid the groundwork for, uh, you know, for the Green Lantern Corps movie, which is no longer on the schedule. But maybe it should be. I don't know. Uh, oh. the, the guy, the, what's his name, Ricky Whittle, who plays Shadow on American Gods. Yeah. The, the guy who wrote uh, the previous Green Lantern says that's who he wants, he would want to be John Stewart. John Stewart? That'd be great. And I think he'd be great. I think he'd be amazing. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, let, 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 let's focus on Infinity War for just a second more, which is just that people just watch it. If you haven't already, it is so much promise, so much greatness. And then and let's also remember, there's still an Avengers 4 coming, and Vanity Fair has an article, uh, which I think is more interesting, again, about the behind the scenes, where... You know, Infinity War seems like, what can you do to top an Infinity War? And then they say, they're saying whatever they call four, which is still, I'm going to bet, is still a part two, um, is going to be, um, you know, a finale for this phase. And I think we're going to lose we're going to lose some beloved characters. And I think that, you know, the, the Marvel's going to do the, 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 ironically, for being based on comics where nobody really stays dead. Um, I think Marvel is going to actually lead us into accepting that characters die. Doing something better than even, you know, I think to some extent Star Wars has done. They don't so, necessarily have to die. They can just retire or be done with whatever or lose their powers or, you know, no, any number I, of things. No, I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down now and I'll, and I'll try to write out my reasons why. I'm, I am 95% sure that at the end, by the end of Infinity War, Tony Stark will be dead. Interesting. Well, he's kind of dead in the comic right now. Yeah. Well, I, I know that too, but, uh, but I mean, I think, I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to get a graceful out and, yeah. and should. Um, and, and I think that Tony Stark is going to die a hero's death because I think that's been the entire arc of his character, in know, in a way that the comic books can never accomplish, but a movie series can. Which is he? You know, he has been leading towards this—a selfishness alternated with a selflessness. And even when he's being selfless, he's still very self-centered. Well, he did—he did 
essentially sacrificed himself in the first Avengers movie, and then he suffered, pro, you know, PTSD from it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. He was willing to, and it changed him. And then he didn't. He didn't learn much. You know, that's the, that's the. I've still said before before that what Downey portrays, and I'm sure he has some influence on this, is Tony Stark has an addict's personality. Whatever decision he makes, he is absolutely adamant that he is right. Even when it's contradicted the opinion that he's held in the previous film. And so I, I think there's just there's gonna be a final reckoning. Yeah. I've got more to my thinking of it, but that's he's the one I, I'm tagging the most. And I think I think Captain America will pass away. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. That's so. the one I thought you were gonna mention. Oh uh, well I, And and frankly, um, you know, battle damage Thor, you know. Uh, I hope not. I think I think that with Ragnarok, Hemsworth found fun. Yeah, that he hadn't before. So I, I think he I think he might be willing to come back. I don't think Chris Evans is willing to come back. I think he'd be interested, but it would cost him way too much. Okay, and 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 it's okay because there's so there's so much more to go to after this. You know, you're Jesus. introducing Captain Captain Marvel. You're introducing the Skrulls. So okay, already some people have put fan posters up. And so, we just we just barely met Doctor Strange, you know? and then yeah. and the next wave might be Secret Invasion. Yeah, if if the scrolls were here in ninety five or ninety seven, I think maybe ninety seven is the year that they said that's when Captain Marvel is going to take place with uh, Jan Rog, and we said Jude Law will be playing Doctor Walter Lawson, who I guess in one version of this of of it was Marvel. Marvel, that was his. Uh, he, that was his identity as he uh, spied yeah. on Earth. Yeah. So, uh, Captain Carol Danvers is going to get her powers through, through the Kree, and is going to be do part remember, of the Kree Strall War. So, do you remember the uh, the gimmick for him though? That he had to take a potion on a regular basis to be able to continue eating, breathing yeah. Earth's air. Yes. Well. You know, and clearly because he was an afterthought, and we're focusing on Carol Danvers, I don't think Marvel's going to survive that film. But mm. that's okay uh, because you don't they pay no attention to there was a male Captain Marvel. You know, Marvel doesn't really want people to focus on that. Um, but I think you know she's going to focus, and I think that, that there's there's a lot of possibility that the scrolls could have been been there all along if they were there in '97, and and we've not seen them in 20 years. Yeah, there, but there might be a really good reason for that, and um, that they'll come back with a vengeance. So there's a lot, there's a lot of room for a phase four, as 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 it were. And uh, I did want to just mention that they have confirmed. I don't know if you've seen the uh, Kenneth Branagh death on the uh, murder on the Orient Express, but I haven't seen it yet. But, but Fox yeah. is developing uh, death on the Nile. As That'll be nice. The next Hercule Poirot. So we'll go to let's go to the other big team thing this week. Woo-hoo. Which I'm still only halfway through. I only watched the, the Monday oh. night shows. Supergirl and Arrow. Crisis oh. on Earth X, which down to even the logo was so perfect for it as a crossover. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's another case of they've earned it. You know, that you can spend the first first hour, go give or take 15, 20 minutes of commercials, Okay, let's say the first 40 minutes. I realized until I think the very, you know, when they actually got into the, ch- the church, you went at least the first half of that show without any real evidence of superpowers. 
it was all secret. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Just talking about, you know, and again, they've earned it. These are relationships that have that have been built over seasons, um, and this is this is done right. Ratings have been true. The you know have proven it. People were very excited about this, and I think partially because you only had to spend two nights, and I've only been able to spend one so far, but spending two nights watching the crossover as opposed to last year's, which was, you know, all four nights you had to make, you know, right. had to clear, at least they compacted it down to two, to two nights. And at least for the first half, uh, brilliant stuff. Um, a hint of things to come, uh, already in what I saw. I mean, did you catch the Legion of Superheroes reference? I missed it. Which show was it in? Arrow. It was in Arrow? The girl who is an usher at the wedding and says, I think this wedding is going to be very important. I'm so excited I can be here. Uh. The big speculation, and which makes sense because over on Supergirl, I'm sorry, it wasn't on Arrow. It was on Supergirl because the first hour was Supergirl with the with the, the failed wedding. Right. Um, on Supergirl, they have Monel and Saturn Girl. And so the belief is, and the way she's staring too closely at Barry is at XS, his granddaughter, member of the Legion of Superheroes. Ah. Back in time, wanting to see her grandparents get married. Interesting. Because uh, it was so, it was so random a character to just sort of show up. And so much energy was spent on that little exchange that, you know, she's got to be important. And, you know, so, um, and we do know from uh, the first time that Barry uh, traveled over to Supergirl's Earth, Earth 28, I think, 23, Earth 23, um, that uh, we saw a Legion flight ring. So they've been promising that for a couple of years now that the Legion is going to be part of this. And so this... Only makes sense. It makes real good sense for them to show up in um, in uh, Legends of Tomorrow because okay. that's the time travel show. Oh, sure. Yeah. The completely nonsensical uh, time travel show, but still uh, the wonderfully nonsensical time travel. Oh, show. Oh no, a- absolutely. I see that every time they narrate and say, "Call us Legends," I'm like, "You want to say losers, don't you?" <laughs> the tone of everything. We're not heroes. We keep it. You know. And I thought, and and you, I, you got, you've got to, you will. But I'm so wishing you had caught up on it all the way because I need to talk about what happens in the next two episodes. Yeah, I, I predict this. You'll watch that episode. You won't be able to stop. Uh, well, we'll see. Well, then, then, then let me speed through the rest of the news. Uh, you know, because, no, I, I did want to say that one of my favorite things as I was thinking about it was like, where are the rest of the le- legends at the wedding? Why aren't they invited? I was like, no. Oh. The, but no, no, no. But, but, but here's the, the thing is I realized I had almost forgotten that Heat Wave and The Flash were enemies. And that joke where he says... You know, you want to sit on the brighter, brighter groom. He's like, well, since I've tried to kill the groom kill a couple of times. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I guess I should be on the bride side. And, of course, because he's on the bride side, he ends up sitting with a bunch of cops. <laughs> <laughs> Who know who he is. And that's yeah. what So, uh, you know, you, you kind of lose track. But, again, it though, gets better. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I mean, I you know, look, I know that Snart 
comes up in the in the last and that it's Citizen Cold and anything to see him Wentworth Miller back in that role. I miss oh, yeah. him. I miss him so much in Legends. And of Tomorrow. the way they bring the Ray into this is really nice too. Great, so. which is then laying the groundwork for the CW seed series freedom fighters the ray which russell toby is going to voice the ray for that and warner brothers has said you know there will be more there uh they're going to introduce the rest of the freedom fighters so uh i'm you know when they when they had uh when they showed that uh, whole lineup of heroes walking towards the lineup of nazis you know which i don't i'm not sure that actually occurs in the story um but it's kind of inspiring. And like I said before, this was done so much you know, on such a lower budget um, with less time to produce it, but so much more satisfying. Although clearly they've said they saved up a lot of budget because I think you saw Firestorm more in, in this than you have the rest of the season. Oh, you haven't. You, they, right. they've, I know, they've, I know, but they, they pulled were, out all the stops. They pulled, they pulled out, out all, all the stops, stops but this. it's still a TV budget. It's still nowhere near what they paid for justice league and it's so i will watch this again i will not necessarily well watch and justice i think league and again. i think what they want, want you to do too is uh you know they've immediately i've been seeing on facebook is download the whole thing pay for it like on itunes and uh, and i someone again with maybe more knowledge of this i've just started noticing uh, on comcast not a rip on comcast because i'm sure this is a behind the scenes negotiation between comcast and the cw but Comcast is only carrying the superhero shows of the week in HD oh, on on demand, not not banking like four or five. So, um, you know, like I'm, I think I missed the Legends of Tomorrow because the recording messed up and it's gone. So I may have to go on to iTunes. But for this, it might be one that I do want to own on iTunes so I can go back to. Or if they want to sell a blue, you know, a collector's edition Blu-ray, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll go for it because I already know. I, and many people have made this comment too. Is it's just really a shame that Len Wein, who wrote the original Crisis on Earth X, you know, passed away before before this could happen. So that I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's made it? It's like you can actually do a Crisis on Earth X, and a huge chunk of the population watches it. You know, and people get excited about it. We could not have imagined that. I, which is again, yeah. a recurring theme of, of the Family Planet podcast. I could not have imagined that one day this these comic books that captured my imagination, these constant parallel Earths, would be so easy to just go, yep, oh, and there's a Nazi Earth. <laughs> you know? or, or, or that you'd be sitting there going, geez, I've got, I've got eight issues of Arrow that I haven't watched yet because yeah. there's so much other stuff that I have to watch. Yeah. Yeah, like, or I'm, 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 I totally have. I've not caught up on Supergirl from last season, so I yeah. still have to watch all that. You know, and I like these little glimpses into it. But man, you know. Anyway, so uh, do you want to say sadly for one show that I'm that I was caught up on? I'm looking forward to the second season. Was that uh, American Gods? Brian Fuller and Michael Green were the showrunners that I think guided it to a magnificent first season, but they have left over budget issues. Uh, they they were not granted. Uh, they wanted a, an up of the cut of the budget, which was a beautifully shot show. At first, I was very disappointed. Apparently, they've gotten through like uh, four scripts have been written for for the second season. Uh, the rumor is now, however, that Neil Gaiman himself is going to step up and become a showrunner, which he's showrunning the Amazon um, Good Omens. So, 
you know, it's not like he doesn't have experience. So uh, if anybody could pick up from Fuller and Green and guide American Gods to a, another fantastic season, it would have to be Gaiman himself. So um, I, you know, I'm okay with this. Have you watched Runaways on Hulu? We're, we're gonna I haven't. Focus on I Hulu. haven't yet. I okay. Haven't yet. It's it's a it's, it's a different setup. I mean, which is okay that they're basically starting Runaways from 2017. Uh, and a lot has changed in the last 15 years since that. Oh, it hasn't been that long. At least 10 years since that series uh, first launched in comics. Right. Um, and I've only watched the first episode. I didn't watch one. You know, I love that Hulu, by the way, is running it, is releasing episodes weekly. Because I think that we have As opposed lost, to what Netflix does. As opposed to binge watch. Because I right. think we have lost this ability to kind of like, well, we, we do this podcast so that we can sit and talk about this week. And what do you think is going to happen? Because I realized, you know, uh, the reflection, reflection in between episodes instead of, okay, stranger things, we're going to roll through, uh, Punisher. Actually, I've only watched two episodes of the Punisher. I don't have time to binge for one thing, but, uh, I, you know, I, I binge two or three at a time, but I'm also thinking, yeah, I'm not giving myself time to pause and think what's going to happen next. You know, and, and are our kids not really uh, savoring that? Like, you know, I will say that my my son wants to stop in between episodes and talk about what he thinks is going on, about yeah. his predictions. And you you still can, and it's like people who don't want to read a trilogy before the third book's out, right? Yeah, but um, you know, but I guess uh, well, we won't name names except myself. Uh, but I think that the you know the thing is. Uh, that it's like we've already moved on, say from Stranger Things too. A drop on weekend. That's all anybody talked about. Right, right. And now, okay, what's it's this? not hot anymore. Yeah, because it's done. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking what I've enjoyed, and it, you know, although I, I certainly had to avoid certain headlines on Facebook to avoid spoilers, but you know, what, like we've enjoyed Game of Thrones. Knowing it's weekly and it's become appointment television for me. Like I have to watch it. That uh, I the same with Doctor Who. But if you dropped all thirteen episodes, it's like I would watch for a weekend and then eh, yeah, okay, what yeah. else was new? Yeah, is there cake? You know, and and so it's it's also harder to um, binge watch. I guess there are some couples that can sit down and, and binge watch stuff, but for a family, you know. From, more people, uh, it's it's hard to get everyone to be able to absolutely to the same no, amount I, of time. No, I, I I agree with you that it, it's 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 just difficult. So I'm appreciate appreciative that Hulu is doing that with Runaways. They they didn't have to. They certainly have it all. You know, and it's another one. It's like I go, oh, Thursday night, uh, the Orville's back on. You know, so yeah. I can yeah. I can so Friday. We're missing that right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, but 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 Runaways was really was really good, and what um, I, I thought was a really fun first episode. Second episode dropped. Um, it's not immediately tying into the Marvel universe. It does not have to. In fact, this is a case where I'd say I don't really see a need. You know, no, the, they the nature were, of that I mean, story is, I yeah, I, I they didn't tie into the into the Marvel universe for like the first eighteen issues. It was like I think Captain America showed up and uh, uh, no, they had the character. Um, one was used in Vision, in the Vision miniseries. Uh, I think he was in the second arc, so like episode seven or eight. Um, 
but issue seven or eight. But 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 you didn't realize he was tied into the larger Marvel universe. I think Captain America showed up in issue one only in that uh, one of the characters was a fan of Captain America. No, there was there was a storyline where they yeah. they, no, they, no, they no, were no, I, I they were runaway kids and they were trying to get them to go back. You know, coming well, and out they're the West cold Coast. This is very Los Angeles, whereas everything else yeah. in Marvel has seemed very very New York centric as Marvel often did. Uh, but it, it is good. And what's come out of this is Hulu has actually, despite we've, you know, there's been a lot of concern that a, uh, that Disney's going to start its own streaming service and it's going to pull all the Marvel programming. Hulu just signed a, a, a deal with ABC to run agent Carter again and to have, have that available to subscribers of Hulu. That's nice. That's a good series. Well, it is a good series, and the thing is, if Runaways does well, and certainly Haley Atwell is, would be happy to jump back in. You know, it's conceivable that Hulu could do a third series, a third season. I sounded so British yeah. for a second that we could get the, that third season that we need to really wrap up that aspect of uh, of Agent Carter's story. So we look forward to it. Um, so I want to wrap up here because it is late and. And you're promising me that I will not be able to walk away you're, from, you're gonna be, from, you're gonna from be the flash. Right I don't yeah. know. I, I may still have to work. But anyway, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And again, of course, check out Amazon and ThinkGeek, especially if there's still adequate time for gifts. Uh, and pay attention to the gift guide. Uh, and, of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You know what? I realized I promised that there was a comment. I did get a text message about, ah. about Crisis on Earth X, which was from Troy Benson, which said, is it wrong that I loved Crisis on Earth X and not Justice League? So we're here as your support group if you want to form <laughs> and say, it's okay. You it's, can love Crisis on Earth X more. It's okay. It, it's better it's not, than okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for, for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Yeah, that's good to know. We can get we can get more to that when. Uh, well, hold on just a second. Let me let me go grab something that's in the other room. I'll be right back. All right. Feel free to sing. <clears throat> To dream the impossible dream To live It's been too long since I've been in this show To something with unbreakable sorrow I'm doing random adjectives now this is my quest to record a podcast to get Rick back to his desk and start his part. I became a tonal, which is kind of the way this song can go. Okay. 
Uh, that was my recreation of uh, <clears throat> Raul Julia doing uh, Don Quixote on okay. stage. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll be waiting was, for you. For a second, I thought you were singing I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. I'll take you home again. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Let's see.